It's the Tiltcast, episode 546. Everything's broke. And this week, guys, we talked some Darkest Dungeon 2, Dead Island 2, and quite a bit of news. Stay tuned. And a whole lot of twos. And we're back. Woo! It's the Tiltcaster and M-Rated Show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. And there's no Rusty this week. Um, This week you will get about 30 minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. Some games, some news. It is May the 13th at about 3 o'clock Central Time. A balmy 80-something degrees outside. Yes, it is. And I felt all of it. Oh, yeah, and it's uh, really humid outside, too. Everything's still wet. It's raining pretty bad last night. We're in the uh, the tornado season. Tornado! I uh, I lost a couple limbs last night. Did you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, stood up kind of late. Then the wind and the... Rain like really hit pretty hard. My dogs want to go outside, and we just opened the door, and it's just like it's like an ocean just got turned upside down. Like it's just a wall of water, and we're like, nope. <laughs> I saw a couple of limbs laying on the ground. I was like, it must have been pretty windy. But yeah, it's uh, it is that season. Yeah, I I have. Knock on wood, thank God, my fucking oak's fucking resilient, but it's also not that tall. It's just got that big ass fucking canopy, right? I don't even so, know. I don't even know what kind of tree that is in my backyard. They're both oaks. Is that an oak tree that I got? Yeah. Yeah, it's all grown kind of fucked up. It's a it's a pretty strong tree. I I like having it. I've had a couple of people say I need to cut it down. Um I like all the shade it provides on that side of the house. And despite it being a pain in the ass to skim the pool when I have it, um, I don't care because it makes it nice and shady in the backyard. Yep. And keeps your actually keeps your pool water cooler, which Mm. I like. Not necessarily everybody does. Most people, you know, they want their pool water to be somewhere around 90 degrees. I'm like, no. I don't want it to be no, hot. If you can, well, that's the thing, though, right? Like during the summer, if your pool's at ninety degrees, it actually feels cooler than they are around you, uh, especially around here, because you know it's fucking hot and humid all all fucking summer, right? At least ninety. Um, for me, I like the pool being somewhere around seventy-five, eighty degrees family not so much it's a little chilly for them so i kind of have to um i basically like have this um black um two pose that i've got set up on a on a board that stays always in the sunlight and it somewhat kind of heats up the the water coming out out of the pump um and warms it up a warms it up a little bit 
But yeah, most people don't realize most of your pools are actually around 90 degrees if they're if they're in full sun and pretty much stay that way. That's why you always that's why you're you know always having to um chalk it, put chlorine in it, etc. The cooler your pool is, actually the you know, if you can keep the the leaves and the dirt out of it, the less you'll actually fight algae most of the time. Gotcha. Well, in other news, um, for all of you who are of Latin descent, um, it was Mexican Mother's Day as of Wednesday, or uh, Dia de la Madres. But um, so I called mom on Wednesday. So mom basically gets two Mother's Days, right? And she's like, uh, "Are you coming over?" I was like, "I'm coming over on Sunday," because. I just, I just couldn't come over on Wednesday. I had work really late, et cetera. It just been a really rough day. She's like, all right, well, you're going to make it up to me. So I have to make her homemade carne asada tomorrow, which is really fun. Um, nice. I've been cooking a lot. You were supposed to come over yesterday, but you had a migraine. So I made uh, – oh, Yeah. I uh, still have quite a bit of meat from all the – yeah, stuff that I got earlier this year. So I got had some uh, butcher's ground beef and made with two pounds. I made five patties, five hamburger patties, and then I melted a stick of butter and slathered that on both sides of these big fat boy patties. Um, grilled those out on the grill uh, before it got crazy last night. And me and the other D and Ders, so uh, Pupcast's very own Musum and our friend Dave, who's not on any of these shows. Um, we chowed down last night and hung out. It was really good. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. Yeah. I bet your but, stomach started. Hey. <laughs> My migraines be migraines and you never know when they're going to strike. Well, to sound like a, uh, some kind of like, I don't know, like the pollen's high and like, I've got a headache I've been battling all day. So I get it. That's it's just the time of year that it also triggers it for me. Like allergies trigger them for me. So yep. I've been dealing with the uh, upset stomach and the edge of a migraine all day. I've been just popping, et cetera, like candy. Um, yep. Trying to just yep. keep it at bay. If I can just keep it at bay for a little bit longer, I'll be all right. In fact, maybe I'll take a nap after we're done with the show and I'll I'll feel better. But um, it just is what it is. Yep, sinuses and tension headaches generally are my main triggers. Yeah. But yeah, I've had a really busy week. Um, I've been kicking off the photography thing. Um, took some more photos last last Sunday um, for my buddy and his kid. And then saw Mars Volta on Tuesday, which was excellent. They're kind of like on a comeback tour. I don't know if you're very familiar with them at all, Jason, but... Kind of like a modern uh, Led Zeppelin meets Santana, um, nice. but progier than both by a long shot. Uh, there's like seven people on stage uh, when they play. But I saw them in Oklahoma City, which is a couple hours away, on Tuesday. And it was an excellent show. Got to see him with my oldest concert buddy um, and his kid. His kid's been to more shows than any kid that any kid that's not even a teenager has ever been to. But yeah, we uh, 
saw that, and I've been busy doing things with people for like a week straight. So today's my first day off, and I got a little bit of gaming in. Um, I know you've also been really busy with work. Is there anything of interest that you've been up to? I wish I could say so, because it'd make for a longer show, but I was so busy with work this week that I did... I didn't even fucking watch TV other than have background noise while I did additional work at home. Damn. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a pretty crazy week. Uh, can't go into details, but long and short is a couple of big meetings got moved up into the same week. And that just uh, always, always means I'm doing a ton of work to... Uh, update different reports and yada yada so uh just a lot of work that had to get done at last minute um yeah we're we're uh, about to do performance evals and i told one of my managers is out for a little bit and so i'm doing like 20 22 evals and i've got another person that's going to help me with the other part of it i would have been doing 28 but that's what I'm getting into here in a week. But prepping all that Thanks. stuff is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but it must be done. But anywho, well, I will say I have played some games. I was going to get into that. Did you? Um, did you play anything outside? Outside of you know, like going back to 1985 and playing Metroid on my phone. Whenever I had a few free minutes, nope. You I'm talking like OG Metroid. Oh, you're playing it on an emulator. Yep. Yeah, I've got a I've got an NES emulator on my phone that I never use. Yeah, I've I've got a couple of them just to, um, you know, if I'm in those spots where where all I've got is my phone or I only have a few minutes to try to take my mind off of something, then I can always uh, uh, go to one of those and just get a few minutes of nostalgia. Yeah. And, uh, and at least break away for a minute, you know, with the, well, I guess we don't want to out the emulator, which, which Metroid are you playing? Uh, the Super Metroid Return of Samus. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, the SNES Metroid is one of like the greatest games of all time. I think. Have you have you made any progress on it? Oh yeah, I slammed like ten levels of it. Right I mean, I've played that game so much at this point. It's like. It's almost on autopilot for me playing through it. Did you finish the uh, Metroid Prime remake that's on Switch? Yes, I did. How it did, was great. How did that play out? Like I, I finished that weeks ago. What um, played out just like you remember it. I mean it. Um, well, I heard there was a few minor changes. What what did they change with that? Or do you remember? So a few of the changes as far as uh um the uh 
the storyline goes, uh, uh, they basically just added a few more things like that you could read. So they didn't add to any of the um, uh, cin- cinematics or uh, or any of that. They just uh, they added in more little little blurbs that you could read around the world. A few more scan points, that sort of thing. Uh, so it's just basically world building stuff. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more detail about um, uh. Was you know like the different tribes of Chozo that went to different planets, etc. What are the? Uh... I completely lost my train of thought. Well, right on. <laughs> uh, I mean, all of the. It was definitely worth it, if nothing else, for you know, like if we're not going to get the game completely rebuilt. They did a great job of enhancing all of the textures and lighting in the game as far as the engine would let them take it. Um, So it's not like a complete engine swap, but it's more... uh, more akin to the difference of... uh, uh, It definitely looks a whole lot closer to... uh, um, like Metroid Prime Echoes, the third one. Right. That came out on the Wii. Um, visually, then it does a GameCube game. So, a little bit of an upgrade there. It was still really enjoyable, considering I hadn't played the game in, gosh, close to a decade. Um, you know, and there was... I'd not played it in in long enough that I was still having to like, uh, you know, it almost felt like playing it through the first time as far as like hunting down where certain items were at, etc. Remembering how to get somewhere. Um, but you know that game does somewhat kind of place you on rails as far as the areas you're going to, so it's not. Uh, uh, it's not like I was still going back to like look up playthrough guides if I got stuck or anything like that. I just, you know, I'd hit a, hit a door I couldn't open or hit a wall and go, Oh yeah, I don't have the item for that yet. I guess I went the wrong way. Let me turn around. Yeah. That sort of thing. Still very enjoyable. I don't know that it was worth um, that had it been my conscious choice that I would have paid $40 for it. Um, but I mean, since the wife got it for me, I'll be thankful for it. Nonetheless. Are you getting Zelda since it just came out? Yeah, but I'm going to have to, uh, have to wait a bit. Probably, uh, couple of months before I pick it up. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't want to get a Switch just for that. I threw it. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a Switch just for it either. I mean, as good as Breath of the Wild is, I still don't think that there's enough 
like unique gaming that you can get on a Switch outside of your PC to just go buy it for you know two Zelda games and what might end up being a new Metroid Prime, right? Like we still don't have that. Otherwise, most of Nintendo's unique properties are um are all Mario games. We're both aged way out of those. Yeah, I I just Mario just doesn't do it for me anymore. And I think you're right. I, I've just most platformers aren't a thing that I want to do. Um speaking of platformers though, um have have you gotten any more time into uh Jedi Survivor? Nope. So you did you get it on PC um, or a console? I've got it on PC. I haven't even got to install it yet. Well, I'm going to tell you something but disappointing I about it. I made the conscious decision not to install it until a few patches come out because of uh, how bad some of that optimization was. I'm still having issues. I'm running it on a 4090, and I'm still having plenty of issues. I I fired it up the other day. I was wanting to play. Like, I really want to play that game. Like, what I've played so far has been great. But it crashes, like, all the freaking time. And... Like, I fired it up, started off the story beat that I was on, just trying to progress to do things again, and then it crashed on me again. I was like, I'm on the verge of uninstalling this. This game just does not run. Um, So I put it down again. Like, I want to play it, but I don't want to deal with that kind of BS, you know? And so I ended up playing other games, um been super busy as of late but I've played two games of note that people probably want to hear about um, the games that I'm playing right now is I'm playing Dead Island 2 and I'm playing Darkest Dungeon 2 so both sequels um, I feel like Darkest Dungeon 2 has gotten some weird hate because it's not the same game as Darkest Dungeon 1 um, there are no dungeons there are fights and you're on a road so Darkest Dungeon 1 was this weird... Well, you're very familiar with it, but it's this game where you have... You take a route into a dungeon, and then you choose paths in that dungeon, and then you come out, and you build those characters up based on what you did in that dungeon um, to be better, and then manage their good and bad traits until sometimes you have to fire the team and build a new team, right? Um, and a lot of people have played Darkest Dungeon, so if you're even a little bit interested, you understand that game loop. And then around that, you built up the town to give you more itemization, etc. Um, Darkest Dungeon 2 is a very different game. Um, it still has a lot of the same characters, but um, you're in a wagon on a road to the Mountains of Madness, essentially. And... Your first goal is to beat your first run, which then opens up additional runs, which are longer. It took me... I can beat a run like 30 to 50% of the time, um, especially the first run. I can, I'm at a point right now I can beat the first run almost every single time. But it looks like there's five different variations in the run which open up different paths. But basically, you go down a road... And the road has different nodes that, with a map that looks very Slay the Spire. So as you're on the road, you hit different points of interest. 
Those points of interest are fights there or encounters. And those encounters are either positive or negative. Sometimes they're cosmic horror encounters, etc., um, which are very difficult but give you pretty good rewards. Um, what? Oh, yeah. Rusty's at the Mushroom Festival. Yep. Um, he's sending us pictures on the side while we're talking. Um, but yeah, like, so it's got this Slay the Spire style map. It's very, it's exactly the same as that, right? You, you see, depending on your perks with your characters and the things that you've done so far, you can kind of see ahead to what your next choices are. Every character has story beats, which unlocks new abilities for them. So, for example, the, uh, Plague Doctor is way stronger in this game than the previous game. So I think the best like starter team before was the Vestal for your healer. And then you built out a DPS and a support hero and then a tank basically, right? And in this game, the Man-at-Arms is a really good all-arounder. I almost always use him unless he has bad traits. Um, but the Plague Doctor has really strong heals in this game. Um, and as you unlock more of his story and complete more of the goals, um, you unlock new variants of that Plague Doctor that have different buffs to different abilities. So like one of them is a buff to healing called Surgeon that you can use the Plague Doctor for, and he's got some really good heals um, and some really good buffs to keep your party from dying. And then you've got another class, which I can't remember what it's called, but basically you do buffs to um, blight damage. Um, but the Plague Doctor is incredibly strong, like so much stronger than the Vestal right now. Um, and I don't, unless the Vestal just has better traits, I choose to go Plague Doctor. But anyways, you have to go to these nodes and you find a, like a character mission that you have to beat to unlock another ability on that character. And it's a permanent unlock on the character. Um, so anyways, what you're trying to do is progress to the Mountain of Madness, essentially, right? I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's, you know, very Cthulhu lore type stuff. And you are, uh, so you go down this road, you hit an inn, at the end you rest, you provide your characters with buffs, um, try to de-stress them if you have a, those abilities unlocked at the inn, buy things for your wagon, um, which gives you passive buffs, etc. Um, and then move on to the next area and the next area is like, you know, 20, 30 encounters or whatever. And so when you start off, there's like, there's the valley, which is just the starter area, which I think is just set up to see, give you an idea how your character synergize and give you a little bit of cash to get started with the run. It usually takes like five minutes. And then there's two areas before you get to the last area on your first run. And that takes about a little over two hours. Second run, I've only beat once. Um, it's pretty hard. I want to say it's five areas and they're progressively longer and have more stuff, um, more difficult encounters in them. So it's a little bit harder to keep your team alive. Um, what you take away is you take away candles. Every time that you do this, you can choose at each one of the pit stops between encounter or between areas to leave the run and you'll take whatever you've earned so far, um, back to the beginning of the game. And then you, the game literally starts you back off in the stagecoach. It's driving forward. It comes to this little rest stop. You unlock a bunch of shit with the candles you earned. 
whether it be more types of items or additional abilities on your characters or buffs or classes with your characters. And then you go on to an, an, another little pit stop at the crossroads. You pick your team, and all of them have random quirks. Um, and then you move from there back to the valley to do the whole thing over again. I like the loop because I never beat Darkest Dungeon, the first one. It's an incredibly hard game. And it never quite clicked with me in a way that worked. I feel like Darkest Dungeon 2 respects your time better because you can complete a run in literally like two and a half hours and a long run in like, say, four hours. And you always walk away with some kind of progress to use towards your permanent unlocks. Um, narration's on point. The little character stories are really interesting. Sometimes they're just a little narrated portion that kind of gives you some history and backstory on the character. Sometimes they're full blown out encounters where you do a combat encounter with unique mechanics. So like the runaway, literally tiptoeing forward to try to steal a key um, from someone, right, with the plague doctor, like there was, or the leper, like I was <laughs> trying to save lepers while everybody was rebuking me and causing stress. Like it has, a, it uses the same combat mechanics with completely different attributes. Um, to create these weird, unique encounters for each of the characters, which is really neat. And you've got like five to eight of them per character, which means a lot of runs to unlock everything for your whole team. Um, But yeah, like overall, um, Darkest Dungeon 2 is pretty damn solid, if not really depressing. Um, wow. But I really like it. Like it's a really good game. Um, nice. I don't know. I'm going to try to beat it before the end of the year, but it's a big ask cause it's a really big game. Um, looking at people who have played it all the way through early access, um, they're saying that you can put 200 hours into that game and not unlock everything. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, the original game, I've I think I had Dark like 300 I've hours. I played Darkest Dungeon off and on for, what, like the last... <laughs> I've played it off and on for I like four st- years. <laughs> I started, say, for like the last three or four years, and I know I've not unlocked everything in that game. <laughs> Darkest Dungeon 2... So it doesn't two- surprise me that the second one is even more of that, I mean. Because it's more run-based and it's... Like, the problem with Darkest Dungeon 1 is you could build up this badass team and, like, say they're level 6, which represents, like, 50 hours of play, right? You could get to a point where they have such bad quirks that you have to fire a team that took you, like, two full real days to build up. And then you got to start from scratch or start the run over again. And then it would just piss me off. I'm just like, I'm, there's no coming back from this. Like I'm, I'm stuck yeah. in a place where it's really hard for me to, like I could, right. But it might take me 20 hours of like easy runs with a lot of RNG to hope that I get enough of the stuff to remove quirks, to get me back to a f- fighting shape. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this. This is nice bite-sized chunks of that same feeling that you can literally exit and come back to abandon the run. If it's shit, like completely shit and start over. Um, and not feel like you lost all that much time. And you're always walking away with a little bit of something for your for your effort. I think the time management in this game is just, it's paced so much better than the original. Um, and even though it's not a big dungeon encounter, it is a whole bunch of encounters on a path that you're traveling with a wagon. 
Um, animations look super sharp. Uh, they like turned it up to 11, so to speak, with all the animations for all of the stuff. Everything is weighty and meaty and sounds great and looks great. And I don't know, just everything about it to me is an improvement over the other. I I like the town aspect of the other one. I like the direction they've taken this one. I like this game better than the first one. Some people disagree for sure. But for me, it respects my time way better. Um, so that, uh, yeah, um, it's worth full price. It's, it is $40 on Steam. If you have the original, I think you get a deal and you can get it for like 25 bucks. Um, I'm sure it's playable on Steam Deck. I bought it on early access with Epic, so I just, you know, beat it a few times, put it on the back burner, and then waited for it to come out, and then it came out, right? And so I just reinstalled it and started playing. Um, don't feel like I'm not such a Steam fanboy that I'm just going to buy it on Steam unless it's just ridiculously cheap. And the only reason I'd want to do that is to get it on Steam Deck. But from what I hear, you can do epic stuff on your Steam Deck. Um, I just got to figure out how to do that. And then I'll start playing it on there. But nice. um, I have been playing a game that works and is got a good loop to it. Dead Island 2, if you're into killing zombies, which I'm... I'm very much into single player or co-op if you choose. It's a really solid game. Um, yeah, it does some, have a few really dumb quests. Um, does not deserve the hate it's getting. I've had more fun with that than I thought I would, for sure. Um, the combat loop is really solid. Um, I, like, you do have to block. You do have to do some, like, parries, essentially. The parry window is pretty wide open. It's pretty easy to hit if you just time yourself a little bit. Um, I'm playing Ryan, the firefighter. I've heard some of the dialogue from some of the other characters is a little bit cringe. Um, I'm a little bit cringe, so I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> it does yeah. copy, I would say, a few things from Dying Light, right? Like the two-foot drop kick thing um, is a part of this game, and, and I use it to an annoying degree. Um, but I like it. it the, uh, the big question is, can you still curb stomp some heads? Yeah. That's a finishing move. Sweet. Yeah. In fact, it's, that was one of my favorite parts of the first one. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, that's if you knock a zombie's legs out from underneath it and it's stunned, it totally, it's just hit X to curb stomp. Um, it, it borrows some things from a couple of other games that I like quite a bit. So it does the Divinity Original Sin of mix and match the elemental powers kind of thing. And so the whole environment is just littered with environmental traps, so to speak, right? So there'll be these water jugs sitting all over the place. And you can kind of create a, a, a death zone by wetting the ground and then hitting it with an electric weapon. And that both stuns and shocks the shit out of all the zombies going through it, um, which is super useful, right? You can you can run faster than most of the zombies, except for the the recently infected, which are runners. Um, so you literally can like herd some zombies together and then run across this little thing of water that you just created, and then just basically hit it with your electric rake, and then everything's like electrified and dying and everything else. You can light um, gasoline with electricity or fire, which is nice. 
Um, there's always like, you know, gas cans or exploding barrels or things like that just kind of littered across the landscape. And you can make these huge chain reaction like explosions or whatever, which is just fun. There's a uh, there's caustic acid, so caustic damage in this, which I can't remember what they called it before, but it was a really weird name. But anyways, they they've done a better job with the acid damage in this game in that um it just melts things and it looks rad. So this is the most satisfying gorefest kill game I've played in a very long time. Like, I, I really like playing Vermintide. I really like the uh, Gorefest, and it's a lot more tactical, I think, in Vermintide or in Darktide than it is in this game in a different kind of way, right? So we're talking team tactics and things like that. But it does not have the level of detail and gore that this does. This is, like, next level. Um, when you're hitting a zombie's legs with a mace and you see the bones pop out of their legs as you hobble it or its arms, which is just crazy looking. Or you take this caustic. So I have this thing that's basically like a pitchfork, right, that I've got coated in acid. And one of the most badass finishing moves on it is like if I parry with this thing, um, what it does, it does like a stab in the chest and then I parry again. And then I take the pitchfork and shove it through the bottom of its jaw out the top of its head and then if it crits, you watch its flesh just melt off its skin. <laughs> like you see the skin melt away down to the muscle layer below. Like it's crazy looking. But the caustic damage just like melts shit. Um, it like eats through their clothes and through like everything. It looks gnarly. It's like, uh, you know, like uh, Ark of the, Indiana Jones and the Ark of the Covenant, right? And they choose the wrong chalice and, and their face melts away. It's like that in a video game, and it looks rad. Like, just no joke. It looks rad as hell. Um, like, there's so many crazy things that you can do. Like, uh, I really like getting fist weapons, especially the Wolverine Claws. So if I fire, find a pair of Wolverine Claws and then I, you know, dress it up with whatever damage I want, one of the finishing moves is, like, you grab the zombie by the neck and you punch through the side of the head or you punch through the face. <laughs> like You punch through the whole head. Um, there's another one like with uh, blunt weapons. Sometimes I'll hit something with like, let's say it's a baseball bat. And if I crit on its head, you'll watch its eyeballs just shoot off into the distance. Or they'll just come disconnecting and dangling out of the front of the face. It's crazy looking. Um the level of gore design in this game is insane. When I was saying they borrow from two games, though, Divinity Original Sin for the com combinations of the uh, elemental stuff and then Dead Space because they focus so much on dismemberment. Like, it's a lot better. Like, you do get crits like hitting a zombie in the head, right? You can decapitate a zombie. But you can take a, take off their legs and then they're a crawler, and then they can, you can do a crit. And it's actually better to dismember them and disable them before you kill them um, than it is to just straight out shoot for crits on the head, which is a weird concept, but it just works. Like, because you get faced with overwhelming odds. It's not the same amount of zombie counts that you'd get in, like, a Dead Rising game. Like, the most I've gotten on screen is probably, like, 30. Um, they hit way harder than the Dead Rising games. 
So let's just a single zombie hits me like five or six times. That can take me out, right? Special infected zombie might take th- two or three hits and might take me out. So it wants you to parry and dodge and jump and do all of those things or crowd control them by getting them in areas with lots of damage, right? It's got guns too. The guns can become pretty useful. Um, I was taking a shotgun and like shooting the legs out from like special infected zombies so they turn into crawlers, right? Or there's like exploders, which it actually makes less sense to shoot them than it does to drop kick them and shoot them into a crowd and blow a bunch of shit up, which is pretty fun. It's like a big chain reaction kind of thing. But like with the guns, right? Like I had this huge like Haas ass, like 44, essentially, you know, it doesn't say the magnum of it, but it's basically a 44. And I've got trauma damage maximized on it. And I can shoot off legs with a single shot and it'll shoot through multiple zombies at the same time. So I can crouch. And if they're like lined up, I can shoot off like the right leg of like six zombies at a time. And it's crazy looking. (laughs) Um, But if you use guns, you also draw recently infected because they hear the shots. So you kind of got to be tactical about your gunplay. Like the melee gunplay is just so good it doesn't make sense. But yeah, like there's a force mechanism. So certain weapons that hit harder, like I got a big pickaxe that I have um, with caustic damage on it. And if I charge that up and swing it, like I, I can take out like four zombies, full torsos like all of their legs all at the same time with this weapon. It's pretty crazy. Um, Or hit them all across the chest and then like knock them back into a pile of like, I don't know, water, a pile of water, a wet zone or a a whole bunch of oil or something like that and then light that on fire with my shotgun or something, you know. Um, It's also got this thing called curveballs, which are basically like infinite powers with a recharge timer on it. So like I got a pipe bomb, I've got a, thing that's called um, like chem bomb, which basically makes things wet or puts out fires because, you know, like if you're lighting everything on fire, you need to be able to get out. Um, But also that creates a wet zone. And I got like ninja stars that are electric that I can toss at them while they're all wet, which is crazy because then it freezes them in place. Um, The combat systems of this game are solid as hell. Um, If that, you know, and it's got, you know, colored loot, like whatever, right? Um... And there's a whole lot of, like, scavenger hunt mission to get things. Like, the mission structure is fairly basic. But the actual, like, moment-to-moment gameplay of that is really satisfying. Like, I, I didn't quite get it at first. It's like, man, everything's just eating my ass. Like, literally. But once I got the hang of how everything worked um, and understood how the combat worked, um, I've gotten really good at the combat. Um, I'm, you know... Special infected, like, yeah, there are times where it gets pretty fucking hairy and then I have to break the arms of all these guys that are essentially like meathead zombies. Um, but I do not fear them I before I know exactly how to take them out. <laughs> um, so, like, overall, super strong showing by Dead Island 2. Um, you are on right. an island. You're, you're in L.A. Um, it is... Not really open world. It's like open section. They take these big chunks of the world and then they let you do whatever you want in that little section. And then you move on to the next section and then, you know, basically conquer that area and move on. Um, humor, sense of humor in the game is pretty strong. It's not quite as good as De- uh, Dead Rising. 
but in certain ways, I like it a little bit better. Um, I wish there was a huge horde, but I think for as much damage as they do, it would be really difficult with this game. Um, like I said, like getting 10 zombies at a time is pretty a pretty hairy situation in this game. Um, because it doesn't take but like a crowd of two or three to really fuck you up if you're not paying attention. Um, but I, I do like the moment-to-moment tension of it pretty well. Um, and graphically, it just runs smooth as hell. I played it at 4K max settings on the 3080. Um, with the 4090, obviously, I'm doing the exact same thing with zero issues. It's always running at like a locked 120. Like it's it's very well optimized. There are no ray tracing in this. It only has AMD F- FSR. It doesn't even have DLSS. Uh, but it looks really clean and works really well. And I think that's important when we've got all these PC ports that are coming out that just play like hot shit right now. Or to mention, like, other things too, right? Like, so I downloaded some big games this this uh, billing cycle for my internet, right? And I've got a data cap, and you do, I think you're on the, me and you both are on Cox, right? Yep. I don't know if you pay for Unlimited. I don't, because I feel like it's stupid. Um so it's like, you know, it's 1,280 gigabytes worth of, of stuff. And like Dead Island's like 60 gigs, and then Last of Us was like 100 gigs, and then Jedi Survivor's like 120 gigs, and then Jedi Survivor has had like more than one patch that's like 50 gigs, and then Last of Us has had like three pitch patches that are like 50 gigs. So like I've got 40 gigs left, and thankfully it's the last day of my billing cycle, so... I'm sure I'll survive today, but like those, th- mostly those two games ate up like a third of my fucking bandwidth for the month. Like it's so much shit downloading all the fucking time. Wow. Because they're trying to fix Last of Us and they're trying to fix, you know, Jedi Survivor. So I'm just like. Yeah, and I'm sure those are pretty hefty patches right now. Yeah, that's a huge patch. 50 gigs is a huge fucking patch, man. Like there was. That was more 50 than gigs is a fucking game, dude. Yeah, I know. That's and that happened more than once with Last of Us, and more than once with Jedi Survivor. Like huge ass patches. Just like just eat up all my bandwidth. Why don't you? Like this is ridiculous. And then I can't play either one. Like I like I said, I came really close to uninstalling them. Um, I played uh, Redfall a little bit, and then. Realize that nobody wants to hear about Redfall. <laughs> so, and I didn't really want to play it that much. So, but that was 120 gigs. And I didn't want to Jesus. wait. I didn't want to wait through all the patches for that. So I uninstalled it, put it in my Play Later folder. And maybe, just maybe, five or six months down the road, because Bethesda openly acknowledged that it did not, it was not well received, or not Bethesda, Arcane. Um, maybe it turns into a better game. And if I hear from the players that, it's turning into something better. I'll reinstall it, but I'm not going to waste my time with that. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I played more War Tales, but not enough to talk about. Like, that's primarily what I've had time to do is just Dead Island and uh, and uh, Darkest Dungeon 2, both on Epic. Like, I'm playing a lot on Epic games right now, which is kind of weird for me. Right. But uh, if you like zombie killing and you like melee combat, Dead Island 2 is pretty solid. Uh, I know it's not rated super high right now. It's not the story of The Walking Dead. It's nowhere near even close at all of that. Think of it kind of like a Dead Rising with better melee combat. And then 
if you adjust, if that's what you're looking for, it's a solid game. It's not going to be game of the year, but it's a solid game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Nice. But yeah, uh, I guess do we want to take a break? Yeah, I guess we can go uh, dig in for some news because I don't really have much else to talk about. All right, we'll be back, guys. And we're back. Woo! Well, we've been going through some of the news that we had originally. Um, looks like there's a decent amount of news out there right now. We're in a weird lull with uh, game releases and things like that. So there's not a whole lot coming out this month. Um, one thing that I thought of note that we should mention is that so we've talked a lot, and I haven't got back into it, and that doesn't mean it's not a good game. I just haven't been in the mood for it. But um, there is a game called Chained Echoes that I was a pretty big fan of earlier this year, late last year, that I probably should have played through the December months. Um, for one reason or another, I think, and, and nobody really knows, it got review-bombed by users on Metacritic over the last couple of weeks um, to the point where the developer started hitting up Twitter being like, I don't know what's going on, but why are you guys doggone on the game like it's been universally reviewed pretty good it's a pretty good 16-bit throwback to old rpgs um but yeah it's been getting review bombed on metacritic which has kind of started the discussion again with metacritic of like letting people review bomb something because i think with metacritic too you don't even have to own the game to write a user score so you could literally just have a group of people like review bomb something without even owning the game um, and put very little in your description. You could just say bad, rate it one star, and then, you know, 30 other people do the same thing, and it changes the whole user score of the game. Which is just very, very weird. Um, yeah, it is. Something else is very that is coming out very damn soon is uh, Bolt Gun, so Warhammer Bolt Gun, which is a throwback FPS, kind of like it's done with sprite animation, but it looks super clean. Um, PC Gamer was uh, really upset with the goofy-ass power-thirst mentality of the trailer. I was not, and so I tend to troll PC Gamer a fair amount. And so I started trolling on that thread, um, posting shit about power-thirst in response to the article. And of course... Quite a few people that follow PC Gamer are probably in our age bracket as well, and I've got a lot of uh, Power Thirst links and comments to the point of getting like over 200 responses to this stupid joke that I was doing on on their page. But um, honestly, the uh, throwback is like trying to gin up like that like mid-90s goofy, high-action, high-octane kind of like promo. Um, very much like a Power Thirst commercial. If you haven't heard of Power Thirst, look it up right now. You'll you'll run faster than Kenyon's. Um, it's a it's an amazing, stupid thing on the internet from like 25 years ago. But the uh, the whole game for Bolt Gun comes out here in about a week. I want to say it's like the 18th that it comes out. 
and it's a uh, like you know '90s throwback FPS game, which I've played a fair amount of over the last several months. Um, I'm all about the boomer shooter. I'm not a boomer, but it is definitely in that you know '90s era type, like. You know, no aim down the sights. It's all just like run and gun, strafe and gun, like Quake or um, something of that era. Uh, Doom. Nice. But it's coming out pretty soon. I encourage you to go find Warhammer Bolt Gun and check out the gameplay for the footage that they've got so far. It looks really rad. Um, what else did you have? Uh, so big news. uh Came out this week. Asus officially announced its direct competition to the Steam Sec Steam Deck um, with the with the ROG Ally. Um, it's basically a machine that's going to be uh, five ninety nine and six ninety nine respectively. Um, the five ninety nine version uh, comes with uh, the custom uh amd ryzen z1 uh which is basically a zim 4 six core chip uh, with our dna3 graphics did you dig in enough to see how it compares to a steam deck performance wise i did and it's actually extremely close so there's plus and minuses to both machines right um the uh ally uh as far both versions, as far as like uh graphic fidelity, etc., it can reach much higher um uh, uh higher quality graphics wise, and it can even reach, you know, at medium settings on a ton of games, it can get up to like 120 hertz 120 hertz refresh rate. Comes with an OLED screen. Um but uh, that comes at a cost. So like that screen could not get nearly as bright as the steam deck. Huh? Um, nor is dim. So they've got a cheaper screen. Weird. No, they've got an OLED screen. Well, there's an OLED, the top tier version of the steam deck that's, is OLED. Yeah. But that's, you know, it's, uh, uh, their screen is much, much more of a, uh, power hog um so you can only you can only get like max nits brightness with it plugged in uh which it does get over 500 nits bright um uh the steam deck just barely edges it out there but the uh the steam deck can get down to like 10 nits brightness right um and the rog can only get down to like 40 so for anybody who, you know, like likes to sit in bed all your lights out playing the game, you know, it might sear your retinas a little bit. Um, but uh, overall performance, it actually, um, when you're looking at running it at above ten watts, right, and you're wanting to pump up the graphic fidelity it outclasses the steam deck in almost everything. Uh, the way I see it, there's, there's, uh, there are a couple of draw drawbacks and, you know, what, does it run on a Linux operating system or what is it running on? No, it's running on windows. That's bizarre. So there's drawback 
there's drawback number one. Um, Windows is not anywhere near as lean as um, Steam, the Steam OS on Steam Deck. Yeah, Windows takes um, what at least four gigs of your RAM just to run it, right? Yeah. And then there's all the um, shit that runs in the background that you don't need it for a pure gaming experience, which is the benefit I think of Linux is almost nothing's devoted to the OS because you're not using it primarily as a PC. You're using it as a gaming machine, you know? Exactly. Um, but it does come with, uh, uh, the five nine nine model is, uh, is, uh, 256 gig gigabyte, uh, Jim four SSD. Uh, the 699 model is 512. So, you know, what? both models there are fairly competitive with the middle and high tier Steam Deck. It does it have ex- 16 gigs. Do they have expandable memory though? Yes, it does. So, like to me, so I didn't buy the OLED version or the higher tier version of the uh, Steam Deck because to me, the OLED screen and the extra 256 gigs of memory wasn't worth like 150 bucks. So I think I spent four, I was, I got the mid tier. So I think it was five something, right? Yeah. five twenty nine. I spent like 60 bucks on a half a terabyte, uh, micro SD, which is what I put in there. Right. So it's like 500 gigs or 512 gigs, right? Shove that in there. And then of course, you know, it's way more memory than I needed at, after I realized it because the games that I'm putting on, I play different games on steam deck than I play on my PC. Right. Um, which, which you should, I mean, you shouldn't be thinking of playing a triple a title from like the last three years on one of these handhelds. Right. You can though, Uh, which is crazy. Like, uh, talking to one of our original friends, Ren apocalypse, Ren, he was playing. Um, so he started off, he got himself a steam deck, started playing Elden ring on it. And then, of course, you know, it's got cloud save. He started upgrading his PC and then started playing it on PC. But he originally was in a position where it made more sense for him to play a Steam Deck because he could do that, sit, you know, sit with his, hang out with his wife on the couch, watch a movie or watch TV and video game at the same time while he's hanging out with his wife on the couch, right? And then he's not taking over the whole TV. And then when he had time for him, then he could switch that game back to the PC to, you know, watch play something you know a little bit bigger screen on higher settings but yep. the 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 big difference for me is a lot of shit right now because the steam deck is such a it's turned into a, a fair sized market share of steam users lately um there's a lot of games that are being optimized specifically for that steam deck in the way that you know developers optimize for console and so through that you know, like you can literally, it, it rec- most of the games that are optimized for it literally just recognize you have a Steam Deck and set your settings accordingly. So you don't even have yep. to do anything much like you would with the console, right? Like it just says, oh, you're on a Steam Deck. Okay, these are the best settings for a Steam Deck. We know this will run decent. So just stick with these settings. And you can still tinker with them, but it'll lock it in on a setting that works best with the Steam Deck, which is crazy. Well, and on on a screen that small, right? You're not going to be running games at like high and ultra quality, right? Oh no, because no, it's almost it doesn't always make medium. that much of a difference. Well, yeah. on a screen that size, it doesn't make much of a difference. So running it at you know low or medium settings doesn't does it 
feel the look like it does on a full size, full fat PC, right? Yeah, and then they do some um, crazy shit with upscaling too. But like most games run at like a 720p on your Steam Deck, which means because you're on a little bitty screen, right? And it's hard to yep. tell that it's at 720p. Like it definitely looks different than me playing a game at full settings on my OLED on my TV. But if I'm watching TV or something, right? Or I'm just, you know, trying to relax and go to sleep and just play a little something before I go to sleep. Perfectly okay. Yep. Now, one um, one plus it does have over the Steam Deck is it does have charging ports on both top and bottom. <laughs> yeah, the, the um, charging port placement on the Steam Deck is weird because it's on top, which means that your cable sticks out the top and then bends, right? Yep. And so... It's okay. Which when, isn't which isn't great for like gaming sections like laying back lounging on the couch or in your bed, right? Exactly. Like, and it has a decent amount of battery life, so there's never been a point where I sat in my bed holding that thing above my face, right, for three hours. Um usually when I'm playing it at night, when I'm kind of relaxing, getting ready to go to sleep, like we're talking forty five minutes to an hour. So yeah. it's never been a big issue for me, but like the placement is weird for that charge port. So, you know, that's a thing. And then you have, uh, um, uh, crap. My, my brain hit a wall. Um, but why, Linus's crew got full first, first hands on it. I mean, they even had a, um, they even had their hands on pro- a prototype model a couple months ago, right? Right. Um, and they've done, you know, they've tested a ton of things in and out. The, uh, but by all counts, just pure performance mo- markers, you know, this beat it. But this is also, you know, a couple years newer. You're looking at the difference between, uh, Zen four and RDNA three cores versus Zen two and RDNA two cores. Right. Right. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, it's got beefier hardware. Um, and, um, Asus put, uh, a, uh, though they don't disclose exactly which one it is. They put a mobile GPU, in on top of the AMD SOC GPU. Um, so it has some performance advantages there. It's also lighter by 61 grams. That's a fairly big deal. I think, <laughs> so it's funny, talking about the Steam Deck, your wife had pinged me because she was out shopping. And she's like, I found a case for your Steam Deck. I was like, I've got a case. She's like, I don't know if it's as good as this one. And I was like, no, mine has a kickstand. Um, I don't think she understood why that was such a big deal. But the kickstand for mine <laughs> makes a huge difference because I can set it on the table and play and not rest it on anything but the table. Right. Um, it makes a huge difference. But I, big big things to get for your Steam Deck is get a, a case for it that has a kickstand. It makes a huge difference. And you, I found it on Amazon for like 20 bucks. An awesome investment, honestly. Um, and it's, you know, it's a soft shell case. So like it protect it from minor bumps and scratches and things like that. 
Um, doesn't weigh hardly anything, but the kickstand is super worth it. Nice. So I don't I don't deal with that very often unless I'm, you know, playing in bed holding it above my head. Yeah. Well, I it it's certainly interesting having another um another player in that field that's not um uh one of those uh you know small like Kickstarter uh places like uh um, you know, all the windows handhelds of the past, uh, and have a true handheld competitor to the steam deck, um, is pretty cool. Uh, time will tell. Um, but so far it looks like it's an actual real competitor. And to be honest, it's fairly price competitive at, you know, six at 60 and, and, Fifty dollars more than uh, uh, than the mid tier and top tier Steam Deck. So, I would say if uh, you if you ever find a chance to get one at a decent price, like you would probably play the hell out of a Steam Deck because it oh, would yeah. give you the uh, flexibility of having a Switch with your PC gaming. Oh and yeah, and then once you hook up Game Pass to it, it's just it's unstoppable. Well, and not only that, but uh, there is one thing that the Steam Deck excels at that. I don't know that because nobody's really had hands on with one of these long enough to uh to test it. I mean the machines technically don't become available for actual physical pickup. Like it's on sale now for pre orders, but doesn't actually become available for pickup until June thirteenth. Um and this may be where the Steam Deck still comes out ahead is the remote streaming features from your PC, right? That's the one thing we've said since since the Steam Deck launched is that it is the near perfect way to uh, play your PC games from your PC remotely, right? Um, well, I will say that you can get the same version that I have used right now on eBay for around two to three hundred dollars wow that's surprising yeah i'm surprised anybody's letting them go some people didn't play it as much as they thought i'm sure i see some on here as high as seven hundred dollars but the, the availability now being pretty high literally looking at one pre-owned by now 332 <laughs> right wow one with uh a day left with at 180 dollars But yeah, for somebody who's as busy as you, um, be great for like a break at work or a break when you have to be in the same room with the kids and you don't necessarily want them to watch what you're playing, but you can still keep an eye on them, right? Um, you can hook Game Pass through cloud gaming to it, which is really freaking cool. And then I might figure out the Epic Game Store thing so that I can stream um stream or play darkest dungeon two on it as well. Like that would play really well on it instead of buying darkest dungeon two again on steam, just so I can play it on my steam deck. Cause I don't want to lose my progress. So your primary way to do that, right? Just keep the Epic game store launched and signed in. Um, and then add darkest dungeon two as a non-steam title to your steam library 
and it will boot through and allow you to remote play. I did that with, um, gosh, I can't. That's genius. So you're doing Steam, or, Steam remote play, so you're streaming from your PC, but then playing a non-Steam game. Yep. You just have to add be... it to your library as a non-Steam game. That's genius, Jason. I didn't even think about uh, that. I was doing that with, um, I think one of my playthroughs of it was GTA Five because I got that free through the game through Epic Game Store, uh, and it worked like a charm, man. That's interesting. Uh, the the uh, you know depending on. Uh, now it wasn't the best experience, um, with uh, uh, GTA Five mostly because that game is still was f still fairly demanding on the uh, um, on that old seven seventy and and even the ten seventy I borrowed from you for a bit. Right. And I've not, um, uh, not really, uh, um, I've not gone back to it since I got the 2080. So, uh, I'm sure it'd do even better on, on your PC than it did on mine. Well, speaking of that, there, it's going to be an Epic game sale from May 18th to June 15th. They're going to give away eight free games. Um, the way their sale goes is typically anything over fourteen ninety nine gets a twenty five percent discount coupon, and then you get another coupon every time you buy a game. Um, plus, sometimes they have additional money off, but it's usually that's what they do on there. If there's anything on there that you're looking for, that time frame would be the t best time frame, and we'll be going on. You know, I'll release this probably on the twentieth. So by the time that you are hearing this, um, that sale will be going live at that time. So something to, you know, if you're if there's a couple of games that you want to play, like if you want to get Darkest Dungeon 2 at a discount, that would be a way to get it at a discount because um, it is $39.99. Um, Zelda is already out. So if you're into Zelda, there's more Zelda. Apparently there's vehicles. Um. Something that's interesting, there's a couple of like um, stories related to sales that I caught. Um, one of those was Elden Ring currently is at over 20 million sales, which it surprises nobody, um, but is the strongest Souls-style game to ever sell, period. Um, you've got um, System Shock, the remake from Night Dive Studios, comes out on the 30th and has already gone gold. Um, you should still be able to play a demo of that if you want to see if that's something you want to play, which I totally did, and I want to play more of it. It it still plays very similar to the original, um, but looks a little prettier. It doesn't quite look like a modern game. It looks like an old game with a very new sheen on top of it, um, but it's a very, very uh, faithful effort to redo that game. Um, so, and I think it's 30 bucks, I think maybe 40. I don't know. I, I feel like it would be worth it. Like system shock is essentially what 
propelled us to Bioshock, and it, it's a creepier game than Bioshock. Um, I, I think it's worth it. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of delay stuff too. So, um, I think Rusty was, is going to be the most sad about this, but Hollow Knight Silk Song is officially been delayed again with no release date in sight. That's been in development, it feels like, for years. I don't know how small that team is, but that is a thing. And then Dragon Age, um, the new one, is also been delayed until ne- sometime next year. It wasn't on the earnings call for what they're release- what EA is releasing this year. So a lot of speculation that it's sometime either Q1 or Q2 of uh 2024 so still no dragon age which is crazy that is but at the same time i want to be good so take however long you need yeah if you're into amnesia that got delayed to june 3rd um the bunker i watched some gameplay of it there's so much nope in that right now for me i'm not gonna play it (laughs) it's amnesia was the original was like the scariest game i ever played my entire life Um, and the only other thing that I was going to say is like Ghostwire Tokyo redid that game to add a lot of additional content. There's a lot of people playing it right now. If you're really interested in hearing more about the new content, they're doing it as part of Game Club right now with Pupcast. Um, and we'll be doing an in-depth discussion. I think by the time you hear this, uh, they'll probably have already talked about it, but I think everybody on that show is playing it right now. So, um, if you want to hear more about Ghostwire Tokyo, it's a Game game Pass game, um, and they've apparently overhauled it again. Right now, there's like 4 million people that have played it. Um, The new update seems to be very promising. I know I liked it a lot last year, even in the state that it was in. I enjoyed it. Um, So, if it's better than it was before, then it's fairly excellent, in my opinion. So, Yeah, um, that's probably what I'm going to play since Survivor's still broken. It looks excellent and has ray trace options, so you should definitely check that out. It's a very pretty game. Uh, apparently, they overhauled the combat a little bit to give you a lot of extra options and extra powers, too. So, um, it's kind of creepy. It probably won't creep you out as much as it creeped me out, but I like the game quite a bit. Um, but I'd say give it a whirl. I, it's a very solid game. Um, I don't really have any other news. Jason, did you have anything? I don't really have anything else either. Uh, It's kind of, this is a slow time of of year again, like the second slow time of year right before, uh, since E3 was kind of canceled. We're kind of slow until everybody does their big showcases in June. Well, in in two weeks, if you pre-order Diablo 4, you will have, I think, June 2nd, I want to say. Um, you're going to have the ability to play Diablo 4. And I will be playing Diablo 4. That's literally like, yeah, one, two, three weeks away, I'll be playing Diablo 4. Nice. Well, all uh, right. Jason, where can you well, find us? Find us at Tilcast. Oh, actually, hang on. I just realized something. I didn't know this. Did you know Shadowrun Returns and Dragonfall are both on Gate Pass now? Oh, yeah. All the Shadowrun games, the whole trilogy's on Game Pass right now. I've played the hell out of them, so I didn't download it. I fucking didn't know that, and I've not played the second two. 
Well, there you go. Hell yes, I got games. You could play those on your phone, too. Right? Yeah, they're super light. All right, guys. With that, find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash TheRealTiltCast. And search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. And please do subscribe. That does help out the show quite a bit to get to new eyeballs. But find some friends of the show. We've got Pupcast. We've got For the Love of Gaming. We've got bmfcast.com, nocorders.net, and tvgp.tv. They got you covered on Ghostwire Tokyo. And with that, it is the end of the show. All right. Peace.